to Get Animated, the anime watch-along podcast with the hosts of Get Played. I'm self-proclaimed polluted reservoir, Heather Ann Campbell. I'm self-proclaimed spiked milk, Nick Weiger. And I'm self-proclaimed talking cat, Manapadaka. Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the premiere anime podcast, where we are finishing up season two of the mid-2000s mega hit, The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, right here on Get Animated. And um, we're covering two episodes this week, the final two. That is uh, The Sigh of Haruhi Suzumiya Part 4 and The Sigh of Haruhi Suzumiya Part 5, also known as episodes 23 and 24 in broadcast order and on Crunchyroll. Right? Is that right? That's right. Yes. Oh, fucking. Uh, It's who knows. A listener wrote in a few weeks back and said that they'd accidentally watched episode. uh, They'd actually accidentally watched the same Endless Eight episode, um, but because of like Crunchyroll, like fucking up, and they didn't realize it until the end. I had. And again, it's part of the part of the thing is just because of the series is out of order, it didn't feel like anything was wrong until I was done. I had the same thing happen to me with these episodes in that I watched the Sai of Harui Suzumiya episode uh, four, episode 23, which we're covering today, at, by accident before I watched the ep- episode 22, the Sai of Harui Suzumiya part uh, three. So I was like mildly disoriented, but not in the way where I felt like anything was wrong because I know that's just how the series flows. Yeah. And then when I watched the, re- the episode that we covered last week in order, I was like, "Oh, okay, I see what happened here." But yeah, just like this is, I, I'm I, all that said, I'm going to be glad to be done with this series, partly because I'm a little bit uh, like burned out at this point, but also because like I just want another show that just like flows chronologically that I don't have to yeah. think about that. I don't have to think like, did I click on the right episode? I just know because it's going to autoplay in sequence. Yeah, man, I we we haven't talked about what our next series is going to be either. We've 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 said that we're going to finish this and watch uh, the movie. But beyond that, I mean, this was my pull. So you boys, you boys can can. You know, you can spike my anime drink so to speak jesus with whatever uh, you know <laughs> I, no, I, I, I like <laughs> i'm good you can just pick another one <laughs> uh fine we'll watch uh whatever that made one is i guess uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we should maybe go to I, you know this is this is a this is a a little bit more of a retro one as as depressing as it is to talk about the the aughts is retro at this point I mean it is these were this is close to twenty years old I wonder if there if we should do something a little bit more contemporary for the next series that's just like where my my gut would go but I'm down for whatever I mean I I as long as uh, it is a series that everybody who wants to watch can watch I'm in. Hell yeah. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we will. And we'll make an announcement both here on the show next week and also on social media. That's right. Okay, Is there so. social media anymore, really? I'm not talking to nobody on there. Yeah, I don't use it. I don't engage. But I think you can just call it Soch. Yeah, you can call it Soch. Because uh, we're the fucking outsiders, baby. <laughs> You know who I do talk to? The people on their Discord. I love the people yeah. on Discord. I love the people Great on Discord. the Discord. When I pop Great in Discord. there. 
Always lovely. Okay, so we're going to talk about these two episodes. But first, the question that we always ask is, what we been we been? Hi, it's me, Ash Ketchum. And I'm here to introduce this segment known as What We Been Weaving. Hey, Nick Weiger, I choose you. I'm glad you chose me first, Ash, because I have something that I think is going to tee up Heather. I, too, have embarked on the Vinland saga. Uh, You were talking about this last week, and so I started watching it. You're much further along than I am, so I want to hear your thoughts. But I, because I, you know, I'm just into the 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 first couple episodes. But uh, man, I really like it. It is so violent. It is so grim and nasty. It is the Northman, the anime, and it's and I didn't realize that was a thing I wanted. But I've I've really uh, I'm 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 all in so far. Yeah, I mean. I have watched 20 episodes of season one. Wow. Um, I cannot remember a time that I tore through an anime as rapidly as I'm doing with Vinland Saga. Um, it's also reignited uh, my, my, my love of Viking lore. And so I went out and, uh, and purchased uh, a couple of books. I, I purchased uh, Neil Price's The Children of Ash and Elm, which is uh, like a Viking history book uh, published in 2020. And I also got Neil Gaiman's Norse Mythology. Um, yeah, I, so I if, if, you, if you guys at home skipped the episode where I talked about Vinland Saga, Vinland Saga is an anime about Vikings set in roughly... 1013 AD. And if you go to the Wikipedia pages for Vinland Saga, it is, it's like a description of the anime where all of the character names are blue. And if you click on them, they take you to their actual historical counterparts. Yes. Like Leif Erikson is a character in the anime. Yeah. Um, uh, Thorfinn, the, uh, the, uh, protagonist of the first few episodes is also a real person. Like these are wow, all I didn't real, know that. real people. Um, the Vinland sagas are actual Viking sagas about the Vikings going to North America. Um, it's, it's fucking great. I, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> there are moments, Nick. Yeah. There's an episode, so episode seven of this show, I think it's seven. Um, Let me, hold on, give me one second to scroll back through my texts to my wife uh, where I lost my mind about an episode of Vinland Saga. Um, Are you watching this with Mary? No, I am I am not watching it with Mary, but when I see a great episode, I, I text her about that episode. <laughs> Uh, it's called The Light of Dawn, but I don't know what number episode that is. But The Light of Dawn is effectively a short story that if there were like anime Emmys, the episode would win an am- anime Emmy. It's wow. fucking great. Like, And it comes in the middle of this sort of violent epic and there's plenty of violence in this episode but it is told from a unique point of view and i was like oh this show isn't just good it's like it has moments of full-on genius 
and like brilliance. So I looked up the uh, screenwriter and it's Hiroshi Seko, who also has written Attack on Titans TV show, Jujutsu Kaisen, which everybody knows is uh, incredibly plotted, Psycho Mm -hmm. or Mob Psycho 100 and Vinland Saga. Um, I, I fucking dream career. I fuck yeah. What a what a fucking. I mean, like yeah. I'm only gonna work on the best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of like my big goal is that like I only want to work on the best stuff. Yeah, I also want to be extremely popular. That would yeah. be great too. Like <laughs> yeah, revered he, critically and commercially. He also was the screenwriter of Chainsaw Man and Rules. Zom 100 bucket list of the dead. Let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, this is a this is a fucking career that yeah. this guy has. Although I know um, from what I know from anime, you know, production, probably not someone who's made a ton of money, unfortunately. Yeah, and also a lot of these shows are are using are are adaptations of manga pretty directly. So yes. Your um your role is more like head writer on a late night comedy show where you are organizing material uh, less than uh, creating or generating that material, which your staff does. But anyway, there is like there are there is an art of adapting though. Like adaptation is its own thing. I mean, I think there's that's not a, not an easy thing to do, especially something that's got a lot to it. That's I, cool. I, I that's wanted- cool. I want to just read the first paragraph from the Wikipedia um, article about Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga is initially set mostly in England in 1013 AD, which has mostly been conquered by Danish king Sven Folk- Forkbeard. As King S- Sven? Sven nears death, uh, his sons argue over his succession. The story draws elements from the historical accounts of the period, such as the Flatier book, the Saga of the Greenlanders, and the Saga of Eric the Red. It's a fucking anime with multiple bibliographies of why it exists. God damn, it is so good. It is so violent. It is so violent, Nick. There are things in this show which are so violent that it, they make me laugh out loud. Like some of the battles, you're just like, yeah, that's fucking hilarious. No, yeah, even in the limited amount that I've seen, it's just like, uh, man, this this is upsetting. This is like, this is really <laughs> brutal. Yeah, just the way someone will be just dismembered with like a sword or or like a, like and and all, all, not all the violence comes from battles either. You know, um, sometimes just like a really violent act will be done in a civilian setting. It's it's really uh, it's it's truly it's it's bleak but i mean that's also like what again like the northmen that's like what living was like in those times um yeah I, I, i'm i'm glad that you've been, you've that i i'm glad to hear as someone who's dipped his toe in the water that you are are, are all in and that i have a lot to look forward to so. all in all in hell yeah all I'm in keep watching also I, and i texted you guys this there's there's this habit in these you know ultra violent uh, shonen manga and shonen anime to objectify and and sexualize and disparage female characters uh, in in the shows, um, and it's kind of the thing that I have to like plug my nose in order to get through. Is like all of a sudden you'll see 
a, a woman who's naked or she's in distress or she's stupid. Vinland Saga gets around that by never showing women. There's, there's a few <laughs> women in the first few episodes. And then there's a woman or two referenced lightly, like in, in like very light flashbacks through the rest of the show, like, like a, like a two line flashback. Otherwise it is exclusively dudes. They talk about awful Viking shit that they, they, that they'll, they're like, oh, I can't wait to go into a village and like plunder the women but all that's off screen so you can kind of be like well that's what they did historically and at least i'm not being subjected to a fan servicey version of it right the rest of the time they're just fucking chopping the shit out of each other <laughs> and horses <laughs> they really fucking kill some horses on this show oh, no i can't i can't i'm so happy to hear that you're you're watching finland saga nick Hey, inspired by you. I'm gonna come to key. I'm gonna stick with it. Uh, all right, Matt, what you been weebing? Well, it's been a light weeb week for me. Uh, I have still been reading the Evangelion manga and enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, and I actually was behind a little bit on. I ha- I I like to let some Chainsaw Man's stack up, you know. Uh, I but it. I had like I maybe it. like eight Chainsaw Man's to read the other day, and I blasted through them and. I just lo- I still love Chainsaw Man. It's just still good. I I, I <laughs> are you you you're basically kept up, like caught up with Chainsaw Man. I'm caught up right now. Yeah yeah yeah. And wow. I, I'm really enjoying the second arc and really interested to see uh, how it's going to conclude because uh, it's um it's very different. It's very different than the first arc. I will say mm-hmm. uh, uh, it's 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 still funny in in that way that you know Denji is funny, um, but uh it's it's almost it feels like a completely different manga series hmm. it like it's not really the same at all hmm i wonder yeah. if that's because the first arc of chainsaw man tells such a complete story yeah that's um, interesting to think about yeah cuz this is sort of building toward a conclusion of some kind but it's not really like we're not there yet. It's still like presenting itself, but it's it's good. I'm I'm enjoying it. I uh, I applaud your continued journey. I can't wait to see the second. Or I guess, oh man, it's going to be years before the anime catches up to the manga. Maybe yeah, I don't know what the ETA is for the man. second because we've only seen the first part of the first arc. So yeah. Yeah, maybe I got to start reading Chainsaw Man. Maybe I'm going to read Vinland Saga and Chainsaw Man. One, yeah, Saga one after the been... other. If 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 Chainsaw Man has to be the comfort manga, then what the heck is going on? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk about Haruhi Suzumiya. Oh, sorry, you're going to say something? I was going to say, I think Vinland Saga has been published for more than it's either 20 years or almost 20 years. Jesus Christ. I had no idea it was that long running. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's talk about the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. We are wrapping up season two this week, episodes 23 and 24, and we're starting things off as the production of this film is continuing outside of body of water. So 
here we are in the final two episodes of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. And what we're watching is the making of the adventures of Mikuru Asahina. The premiere episode, the pilot of the show that we're watching is being filmed by the characters that we are watching. And from that pilot, we know that there's this full sequence of, uh, of the show that takes place in like a weird lake, like a weird, almost like a reservoir. Um, and what we see in this episode is Haruhi convinces, uh, Yuki to, uh, get them into this reservoir where they go out onto a long bridge in the dead center of the reservoir and shoot their, uh, shoot their video. Mm -hmm. Um, can we, can we pause on that real quick? Because this yeah. is a thing that you talked about last episode that I think is like expanded upon here, which is kind of like Yuki's own godlike qualities. Because they approach the fence where they're going to get into the, it, it's like a fenced in body of water. It's like keep out. And this reservoir, and uh, Haruhi is like, all right, let's scale the fence. And Mikuru is like, I, I don't want, like, she's like scared. Uh, Koizumi very kind of passively is like, you know, the fence is a bit tall to, to climb over. And then Yuki just approaches it like a a gate and just pushes it open. But it doesn't look like it was open and she discovered it. It looks like she kind of did something to make sure that they could they could easily cross it. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's just like it, it's it's an implication. It's not like overtly said, but I, I kind of got there that Yuki was kind of like, OK, I got to fucking fix some shit as she's been doing all along. Right. Because we have established that if Haruhi doesn't get her way, the world could be rewritten. Uh, and, and so in order for their reality not to collapse, they kind of have to appease this narcissist, this narcissistic God. So Haruhi brings them out onto this bridge and shoots in, in a, in a, in a joke that I think you have to like be involved in making television or movies in order to like, at first glance, catch she shoots a conversation, like a series of taunts between Mikuru and Yuki on different sides of the bridge. And they m entirely rotate all of production for each line of dialogue, as opposed yes. to shooting yeah. all of Mikuru's lines at once. And then all of Yuki's lines at once, she turns the entire set around over and over and over again in order to film this sequence. And it's then, funny. Yeah, you point that yeah, out because I was like, why wouldn't they just shoot it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's very funny. I'm like, and then I'm like, well, it's a cartoon. They didn't even really do this, but I was like, why didn't they just do it the other way? <laughs> <laughs> then um, Haruhi gives Mikuru a new contact lens, uh, and Nagato immediately, Yuki immediately attacks her. Uh, to get rid of the contact lens, because anytime Mikuru gets a contact lens, she gains powers uh, and it manages to slice uh, the metal bars of like a fence barricade. It like it immediately cuts through them. Um, and it's also it's she's been injected with nanobots to prevent her from making lasers with her eye. Right. And this is molecular redistribution or some kind of, it's like some power like that where it's like, oh, I stopped her from being able to make lasers with her eye, but Haruhi really wants Mikuru to have a beam. So now it's, it's molecular displacement. Um, after this sequence, 
Harvey, it, it, I just want to note, I, and I know I said this last time, it really makes me laugh the way that Yuki runs up and tackles yeah. Asahina and it's just like pushing her down and like, because she's so, she, and like her expression never changes. Yeah. Yeah. Is it because it's like the most movement you see from her usually? Like she's usually like pretty docile <laughs> yeah. and pretty, yeah. like she's either like sitting or kind of just standing off to the side or something, not doing anything. And then in these, <laughs> she's just like one place and then the next second she's tackled somebody. <laughs> she doesn't normally act swiftly, yeah. And then the way yeah. she does it is just like so violent. Yeah. And to just like someone who's so, you know, also her like about it. her cape moves really cool when she does yeah. it. Yeah. She looks cool. She looks cool. But also, you know, has Nick's face of expressions. <laughs> <laughs> So Haruhi's like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna do a scene where Yuki um like possesses or takes control of these people and uh they're gonna throw Mikuru into this water. And Mikuru's really upset, she doesn't want to do it. And we see the water and it's full of garbage. It's fucking nasty. It's nasty water. Yuck. Um and eventually Mikuru's like, I guess I gotta do this scene so that the world doesn't end. And then they unceremoniously throw her into the water and she gets out and it's sad and Koizumi gives her like I think a towel or like a jacket to oh no no they don't uh, even have a towel they don't have a towel they have a handkerchief yeah uh one of the one of the girls gives her a handkerchief and is sort of like cleaning her off a little bit which is fu- like hepatitis so fucking I think scary the- the added layer uh, two of this this uh, Tsuruya who joined the production in the last episode and is here for this episode, uh, and is like like reveling in Mikuru's uh, uh, humiliation, like she's like laughing, which is another layer of it. It just like makes it feel extra cruel. I mean, this is where I started to like. This is where I really started to get skeeved out by this show. Yeah, it just bummed me out just to see someone like tormented and someone else laughing at them. Yeah. Um, and then Haruhi's like, great, we got that scene. Uh, the next scene is going to be Koizumi. You're going to bring her home to your house. And Kion's like, what, what is, what is the happening in this fucking movie? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um, basically you're just torturing Mikuru on camera. Yeah. And that's, that's all that's happening. Um, Suruya, or how do you say it? Su- Suruya? Suruya? I'm not sure. I think it's Suruya, but... Boy, it's a hard one. It's a hard one for my phonemes. Um, is like, oh, I live near here. We can use my house as the filming location. Uh, <laughs> she's got like a huge fucking mansion. Yes, is <laughs> that like is funny. That is a good an joke. An insane reveal for this character. Um, how he changes Mikuru into uh, a nightgown and then is starting to film this scene where uh, Koizumi is going to kiss Mikuru. Um, But Kion realizes that Haruhi has spiked Mikuru's drink in order to uh, make her pliable. And Kion loses it. Finally, all of the tension of these last few episodes, these Finally, the tension of these last few episodes builds to a, like a crescendo as Kion starts fucking screaming at Haruhi that, that she can't do this, that Mikuru's a person. And Haruhi's like, no, she's my fucking toy. Fuck you. 
and she is, Haruhi is animated. The scene is so dark, like tonally and physically, like, Mm -hmm. like literally. Um, and Haruhi's like expressions are like angry. They're like angry to the point of ugliness. Like she's outside of the typical range of anime expressions as she's shouting back at Kion. And Kion goes to fucking punch her. Like he makes a fist and is going to crack her in the face and Koizumi catches his hand. And it is unlike anything else that's happened in the show. You're like, oh, this is awful. This is awful. And I am upset. And so is Haruhi, who is so depressed by this turn of events that she can't even feel frustrated. She's not creating closed spaces. She's just miserable. And Koizumi's like, hey, Haruhi is really affecting the real world. Like she's, I, I mentioned this on accident last ep- or last week, but Koizumi brings her to a temple and is like, hey, the birds here are white. She turned the birds white. Like this right. is, the, the, the things that Haruhi wants are beginning to affect reality. And we cannot allow her to continue this way or she's going to destroy everybody. Um, so Kion's like, I can't forgive Haruhi, but I can kind of contextualize what's happening in a different way. He goes to lunch with his friend Taniguchi, uh, and Taniguchi makes fun of the movie and Kion has a moment of realization where he's like, I've been dunking on this film this entire time too. And I didn't come up with any better solutions. Haruhi's the only one who came up with an idea. She's executing on the idea. Maybe I'm a party to some bad behavior. And he goes to the club room and pulls Haruhi aside or she's there alone. And he pulls her like away from her computer and is like, I think we should finish this movie no matter what. And she's like, Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And I think, th- I believe this episode ends with her getting a cat for Yuki, for the witch. And being like, oh man, I wish this, I wish this cat was special. It's just a calico, but I want a black cat and we can't find a black cat. I'll just get this calico cat. Um, and that's pretty much the end of the setup to the finale of yes. the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, also known as the sigh of Haruhi Suzumiya, part five. So, so just before we move on to part five, things I like about part four, you know, it's a, it's a, I, I didn't love watching this episode, but I do like that. You really, Kyo, you really think Kyo, I mean, Kyo wants to hit her. He's like saying she needs a good smack, yeah. and it's Koizumi that restrains him from like striking uh, his female classmate. He's pushed to that point. So there's an element of that, that partly that comes from some de- some degree of altruism, but I like that the motives are not that simple because clearly a big part of what frustrates him specifically is that 
that uh, Asahina is like like scantily clad. She's wearing like just a shirt, just a sleep shirt, and she's in a situation where another boy is going to kiss her. And like like clearly that's all wrapped up in it too. So it's not purely his like this sucks. You can't treat an actor this way. You can't treat a human being this way. It's also like wait a minute. I'm I I like her, and I don't like that you put yourself put a, a you know someone else in a position to uh, where I you know I have to witness this. So I I think that I, I like how, how also how psychotic Haruhi is, and I like that, that the characterization of a narcissist, the point where she's like, she says to Kion, you're being so selfish right now. And it's like, that's exactly what narcissists do. They always fucking project. They're always like, shit, this whole thing is a, a fully selfish enterprise. No one wants to make this movie except for her. Everyone is doing everything to cater to her whims, to play cater, just to keep this thing, just to keep the the, the ship afloat. Um, and... Uh, and finally, when someone's like, hey, I don't like this, she's like, you're being selfish. Uh, I do like that a lot. And yeah, I, I guess I also I, I do like the larger joke of just like how rich the the Suruya is. I mean, I think that's like funny and I think that's well played. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's grim stuff. It's um, ugly. And Kion, when he finally has to come around to talk to 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 like tell Harui, because it's basically a point where it's like. Even even Mikuru has to be like, please stop, don't do this. Uh, Koizumi has to be kind of like, you probably need to fix this because she's really withdrawn, she's really upset. And when he goes to talk to her, Haruhi's immediate flip of like, she, he's like, you know, I think we should finish this movie. She's like, of course we're going to finish the movie. It's my movie after all. Like she doesn't even have the moment of like, hey, wow, it's really cool that you came to me. It's just a total narcissistic impulse. I think yeah. that's all well characterized. Yeah, I agree. It's It's well characterized uncomfortable material. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, mean, I didn't like it. No. no. <laughs> I, like, I don't think I like this episode. <laughs> no, I specifically don't like this episode. Yeah. And also, I don't, I don't have, in the scene where they're in the bedroom and Kion's losing it, I don't have the feeling of catharsis. Like, I'm not like, yes, fucking give it to her. I'm like, oh my God, this is, like, I, I'm, I'm in a, like the physical emotional space of wanting to cover my face. Like I'm mortified. I'm not like finally she's going to get put in her place. I'm like, God, all of these fucking high school kids are a mess. Yeah. They're all fucking dumb. This is what it, this is what it finally, it's like, it's less like, Oh, finally you're, she's, uh, you're, you're giving her what she deserves. It's more like, this is what it took for you to have to say anything. It's like that, and for me, it was like, God, f- just everybody fucking stop. Just, uh, <laughs> just yeah. end it. Good grief. Yeah, I guess if the show is trying to make you remember that teens are stupid and annoying, you don't want to be around them, no. then I guess it's succeeding at that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, try as they might, they're not ever going to convince Nick. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I, I just reached that sort of point where I was like, I, cause this is, I've been thinking about this. I like the show. I think I like, as, as it is, I like the show. There are things about it that are incredibly frustrating to me. Right. But like, I don't know, like so far on the whole, I think I, I, I like it. Like as, as a show, I think it's good. I think sure. one is better and more interesting. Um, and there's things in season two that we've seen that I have enjoyed, you know, 
but getting to the end of Endless Eight and then watching five episodes about the making of a movie we have already seen is is tough. Is a tough yeah. way to end the series. And I sort of talked about this last week as something to talk about. There's two ways to watch it. There's broadcast order, which we're doing, and then there's chronological order. And if you're watching this in chronological order, this isn't the last of it, right? Yeah. But if you're watching this in broadcast order like we are, and this is the last of it, it in and of itself creates an interesting loop Yeah. in a way. Because we start the series with the fucking movie. Yeah. And the last five episodes of this show are them making the movie that starts the yes. season or starts the series. So if you were to start it over again, you would, in theory, make another loop and start the whole thing over again. Yeah. And that is interesting as an, as, as, a, as an idea. But like. Was that on purpose? Like, it must have been on purpose to some degree. Like, he had to be like, okay, we got to make the episodes about making movies so you could watch this in the chronological order uh, and know what's going on. But it ends the series in broadcast order and then starts the whole thing over again. I wonder I wonder how much thought was put into that. Well, okay, so I think that, that you can infer a lot just from the the air dates of the episodes. So the Adventures of Mikuru Asahina episode 00, which was the first episode broadcast, aired on April 2nd, 2006. That's the episode that's the movie. That's the first thing we covered on the podcast. Yeah. The episode we're about to cover, um, The Sigh of Haruhi Suzumiya Part 5, which immediately precedes it chronologically, uh, didn't air until three years later, September 11th, 2009. So, it, I mean, it's possible they were produced chronologically. I fail to see, though, how that would have that would have happened, where yeah. they would have sat in this episode for three years. I'm guessing they came back to it and were like, "Okay, let's do what leads up to it." Yeah, just yeah, I like that. Just thinking about that as an idea, as I was watching these episodes, just sort of made me be like, "Well, what is?" Like what is this show? Like, like is is a lot of it a prank? Uh, is like what did they, like what is going right? Here? Um, but um, yeah, I mean, the ending, ep- episode twenty twenty four, part five of the Sigh of Haruhi Suzumiya. I guess I didn't hate it, but I don't know if it's like a a way you end the series. Well, I I made a mistake last week when I said that that Kion's voiceover references an event that takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, the end 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 scene of episode twenty four, where Kion is telling Harhi about the existence of aliens, time travelers, espers, apparently follows. The scene at the end of the Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya Part 6, where Kion's like, I'm going to go tell her all this stuff. Mm. Mm. So he is doing voiceover in the previous episode, or two episodes previous. Boy, this is starting to get hard. Um, Where he's like referencing an event that took place in the past for him, but for us, we have not yet seen that scene. Um, so let's finish it off. 
Yes. They're making their movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Yuki, Yuki gets a cat. <laughs> it's a calico. Uh, they name it Shamisen. <laughs> and Hari's like, oh, I wish this cat could like talk or something. <laughs> she leaves and the cat immediately is like, hello, everyone. I can talk now. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, hey, what's up? It's me, this fucking talking cat. He's great. I love the I love Shamasin. I also like I, you know, so the sets up the, the end by the end after he comes back and he reconciles with. Oh, the previous episode, he reconciles sort of with with Haruhi. Then there's a thing where Koizumi, where, where they're like seeing cherry blossoms bloom out of season. And Koizumi's like, well, she's now even more powerful. Uh, and so we start to see that here where it's like, yeah, this this cat is like, because I think just before he starts talking, I can't remember exactly. At some point, Kion is like, like, oh, I hope he doesn't talk. Please don't talk. And then like the cat talks like it's like, <laughs> like, like, like just like just seeing that like that could actually happen. There's a there's a great joke with this cat later in this episode where Kion's like, please just act like a cat. And the cat's like, I have no idea how to do that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I just act. I'm just behaving in a way that is me. Like, I don't yes. know how to act like a cat. And a lot of the cat's lines are like, you know, when they're like, you can talk. He's like, I'm, I'm not talking, but you can understand me in a way that implies that you can understand what I'm saying. But the cat's not like I'm a talking cat. The cat is no. just a cat. Yes. Like nothing happened to the cat's brain. It doesn't, it's not like more intelligent. It's just a revelation that the way that a cat thinks is extremely direct. Yes. And and he uses like a big vocabulary, but again, it comes from just like that's just how the cat's brain works. Yeah, it's kind of like He's... Stewie. He is very Stewie esque. <laughs> so the yeah, and I I also like you know while we're talking about the cat, the there's a jo- the joke later in the episode. First off, like like it's like. She, he's like, say meow around my sister. And then you just hear him just say like, meow, like as a man, like he's not like giving <laughs> yeah. like cat noise. <laughs> so fucking but th- funny. <laughs> but then there's another thing that's not really commented on later where he's just like, wa- he's just sitting in front of the TV watching the financial news. Like, like, like that's a thing that would interest him. <laughs> Cat's great. More Shami's then. Wish like, he was a, more of a presence. Before we went into this, Apodaka was like, I really hope they explain the talking cat. And sure enough, yeah. they fully deliver on Haruhi's powers are expanding. She wants a cat to talk. The cat can talk. Yeah. And they're <laughs> just trying to- I got, it, I got to- an exact description yes. of what it is. Yeah. Uh, it's um, <laughs> like- it's not like the the talking bird from Lost that says Hurley's name and is never explained. Uh, that's a thing that happens in an early season of Lost or toward the end, actually. But does he say Hurley like like a bird would? A bird flies through the air while they're traveling between camps. Okay, they're going to the other side of the island because the others are coming to get them. Or I think I think this is what it is. And the bird goes Hurley, and he's like, what? <laughs> and it's never brought up again. <laughs> it's the best. It's my favorite show. <laughs> it's the best. Oh, man. Oof. 
so they have a they have a moment in a cafe and they're all talking and it's another of those I, there's a lot of these this season where it's basically like Koizumi is leading a conversation explaining what could possibly take place mm-hmm. and like is kind of like you're like look we've already seen she had talking cat cherry blossoms white pigeons what if she like want like thinks that the, there'd be a good scene where an asteroid hits the earth that could actually happen because she doesn't understand the difference between movie making or like she's not mentally separating movie making from reality and that reality becomes all of our realities. Which is also an interesting comment on some of the more intense corners of anime fandom. Mm, where, interesting. Uh, where viewers of anime think that the things they're seeing are real and become so heavily invested in these characters that they are angry when the characters don't act the way that they expect them to act. Mm-hmm. Um, Arihi is doing that internally in the show. Um. So they got to come up with a, a way to, <laughs> I love the fucking solution they come up with. They got to come up with a way to con- to make it so that Haruhi knows what the difference is between fiction and reality. Um, And the way they ultimately do this. Um, oh, by the way, there's also this strange bit of, of, of business in this episode where uh, Mikuru's like, hey, don't trust Koizumi to Kion. Right, yes. And Kion's like, uh, okay. And then Koizumi's like, I don't know that we know that what Mikuru is saying is entirely accurate. Like they're both suddenly suspicious of each other. And so he goes to Kion goes to Yuki and is like, hey, what's going on between the two of them? And Yuki's like, well, they each have to believe that the other one isn't telling the truth in order for themselves to be real. Because if, if, if you're a psychic and you believe that the time traveler is telling the truth, then it makes you question your place in the universe. And simultaneously, mm-hmm. if you're a time traveler and psychics exist, it's like, well, I thought we were in a sci-fi show, not a fantasy. Um, and he asks, Kiona asks Yuki, well, which one is true? And she's basically like, well, anything I say to you won't have evidence. Like, what's the point of me right. answering that question? I could just as easily be making it up. Which is a weird sidebar this late in the show really is it's a lot and it's i i don't know i mean i expect that to be explored in the movie but knowing the show who fucking d- d- maybe it won't be yeah. uh the the just like Early. the <laughs> <laughs> the this show is is good though we talk we've talked about how great it looks at length and it is good of like hey we've got a lengthy expository dialogue sequence and we're just going to give you something interesting to look at uh and for instance the when they're in that cafe, there's a moment where it's just a, a two shot of Kion and Koizumi talking, and then someone sets a beer glass in the foreground, and we're looking at the frame distorted through the like the you know the the glass prism of the beer glass, and like the these faces are suddenly skewed, and it's just like wow, that's such a that's so much so labor intensive to make that happen, but it makes this shot so much more interesting and dynamic. So. Kion has to edit 
<laughs> he's going to edit all of this footage into a movie in a single night, and he doesn't have any familiarity with how to edit. Yeah. And she's just like, make it happen. And he's like, it's going to take me all night. And she's like, well, it's fine. Fucking stay up all night. And then sort of uncharacteristically is like, I'll stay with you. Which is either her bid to make sure it happens or it's, uh, you know, a piece of sensitivity from an otherwise completely obdurate and insensitive being. And then- She stays with him for a little bit and then immediately falls asleep. And the truth is, Kion falls asleep also. And he wakes up with keyboard piece, like keyboard indentations on his face from sleeping on a keyboard. Ugh, what an awful way to sleep. Yeah, what a bummer. Um, but the movie is finished. Maybe because Yuki helped out? Who knows? Yeah, I think that's pretty, seems to be implied. Well, that's why that's why I said maybe. Because she like, like comes in, everyone else is kind of like, oh hey, you know, I hope you didn't stay up too late. Oh, how's it going? And she just kind of comes in silently, like, oh, god damn it, <laughs> these, fucking, <laughs> these fucking bozos. <laughs> yeah. That goes off. beats the shit out of her. I've watched them for six hundred years do the same yeah. thing over and over again, and now I've got to edit their fucking movie. <laughs> uh, but it's got like. You know, basic special effects. It's a, it's a, it works kind of as much as it worked for us. During the cultural festival, though, um, Kion is like, we have to make sure that that Haruhi knows the separation between fiction and reality. And while we are prepping for that, for that anvil to drop, um, we're seeing fictional worlds come to life at the cultural festival. We see people in armor and like dwarves, like Lord of the Rings style characters running down the hallways of the cultural festival. And there's no reason for them to be there as if, as if Harhi's lack of understanding that reality and fiction aren't the same thing is starting to make all fictional universes real until we get to the end of the Adventures of Mikuru Asahina, where we finally see how Kion's going to do it. We are a disclaimer read by Haruhi, which is um, this movie is fiction. All persons and, and personalities yeah. uh, are purely coincidental. Um, this is all takes place in a in a world of make believe. And then Kion's like, "Say it again," and Haruhi's like, uh, "Okay, this movie is fictional." None of these characters are real. If the similarities are coincidental. Um, and Kion discovers that the, uh, the world has reset and it's everything's back to normal. And then we see the scene that took place many episodes earlier where Kion tells Haruhi that Yuki, Mikuru, and Koizumi are an alien, a time traveler, and an esper. And Haruhi's like, you're bullshitting me. That's not real. Yeah. And that's that's the end of the melancholy of, of Haruhi Suzumiya. A pretty clever solution from Kion in terms of like, like, I'll have her read this disclaimer and that will be, you know, and she would 
have buy-in for that because that's what a real movie would have. Exactly. But like that he figures out that that's the way to to get her to separate reality from fiction. Kind of the smartest it may be only smart thing he's done the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is a guy who's post actualized. Yeah. He's like post endless eight. He's like, I almost fucking like, hit this girl. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's going through a lot in these last few episodes. While I don't think it would be interesting, I think it would be interesting from a like a scientific point of place to watch all of these episodes, these final episodes chronologically, like to watch this, then the adventures of Mikuru, like to just watch them play out. Cause then mm-hmm. live alive is also it's live alive. Is that like, he's exhausted in live alive because he stayed up overnight most of the night to edit the movie, which is why he goes to the gym to go to sleep. And then it right. starts raining because maybe Hari, he wanted it to rain so that people would see the concert. Yeah, some of those gaps are like filling in. Some of that stuff is kind of cool. Uh, a lot of it is it just feels like too much. I think that I I I do like the run when where they're talking about the other stuff that was happening in the production, and you know, like like at a certain point, the BBs turned into real bullets. And we see Yuki <laughs> yes. dodging them, which is crazy. Yeah. Uh, the that heard that they tried different colored contact lenses and the eyes are now our eyes are shooting out different things like they're shooting out like, you know, uh, bolts or whatever. And then there's also like a point where like the pigeons turn into an extinct species of pigeons. Yeah. Um, so very, like all that shit is heightening. Like mild. Like it's not like a, the dodo where it's recognizable. No. It's like carrier pigeons. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I um I'm I'm unsatisfied with this run finishing out what was once an incredible show. It's interesting to compare the end the conclusion of this scene or this uh season with the conclusion of season 1, which was such a banger conclusion. Yeah. Like y- yes, totally. It it it's it's a bit of a letdown dramatically, or as Kendall would say, dramaturgically. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's little bit of a letdown in like it's in the like it you don't feel catharsis. You don't feel plot like the plot doesn't build the way that you want it to. What did we start with with season two? Was it Bamboo Leaf Rhapsody? Was that what it was? What did we do? Because we didn't start no. with Endless Eight. Um, do we remember? I think. I think. Go ahead. Oh no! I was just gonna say, like, it, like it, I wasn't lost. I I was. I'm bored with the season. I think first through the first couple episodes. And and even through when the first couple runs of Endless Eight, I was like, oh, this is cool. It's really trying something. And then I think from that point on, it's like, oh, this is so laboriously paced that yeah. Endless Eight is its own thing. But then even when you get on the other side of Endless Eight, all these this, – this sigh of uh, Suzumi is a five-part series that – Feels like it could be two episodes. It's just got so much filler and such long conversations. It, yeah. It lives up to the title. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I mean, yeah. Bamboo Endless Leaf, and Psy. Bamboo Leaf Rhapsody is the, is the episode where we go back to Haruhi's childhood. And 
uh, and Kion helps Haruhi begin this entire journey, which, se- which that episode's s- great. Sets up our thematic, the th- the theme of the of this season is looping, and you set that up right away with this episode. Um, then you go right into the endless eight, and then the side of Haruhi who Haruhi Suzumi is part one through five. Um, contrast that with the final episode of um, Haruhi Suzumiya season one, which is when Kion kisses Haruhi. Like that's, that's a peak. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a big, a big fucking peak. Um, and this season doesn't, doesn't build to a, an epic conclusion in the same way. Yeah, I, you know, I, I wonder if it is just as simple as it's just a, it's just too many episodes with not enough happening. Yep. I mean, could be for all the for all the experimentation they're doing here. It's just still just like feels kind of boring at times. It also, and you know, maybe all of this is all prequel to a, a, a movie that none of us have witnessed that maybe develops and and like maybe the reason that this series or this season can't build to an awesome conclusion is because that awesome conclusion is saved for the movie. I don't know. We're going to find out. We're going to find out when we watch The Disappearance of Harui Suzumiya, which we are going to uh, uh, release next week. So the movie is also on Crunchyroll. Watch along with us. Uh, bear in mind, it is 162 minutes. <laughs> it is the yeah. approximate runtime of There Will Be Blood. So we'll see what happens here. This was somehow it's, it's the a most shocking boy. thing I've heard so far about yeah. anything in this show. You texted us that it's like, yeah. <laughs> Like two hours and forty-seven minutes. I was like, yeah. "What's going on here?" <laughs> we're gonna fight. Like, we're gonna start the movie, and it's all gonna be just the endless eight. <laughs> <laughs> Show that in its entirety first. Oh man! All right, Nick had to go. Nick's gone. <laughs> Right? And I when I didn't the, know if you were gonna if you were gonna say anything or we could just pretend that he was being quiet again, but like yeah, Nick had to go. Well we weren't pretending that time. Last time he was just being really quiet. But yeah, Nick yeah, had yeah, yeah. but this time Nick had to go. And um he wouldn't say why. He said I just won't I won't let it happen again and we we're like, Okay. He uh, just kept he just kept checking his watch and saying, It's about time. Like maybe he's involved in some kind of time travel scheme or something. Oh yeah. Like a, yeah. A sort of heist of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, whatever it is, we wish him, uh, uh, we wish him all the best. I'll go ahead and just, I'll say that. Uh, but last week we were talking about episodes 20, 21 and 22, otherwise known as the sigh of Haruhi Suzumiya parts one, two and three, and you guys had some thoughts. So it's time for the chain reactions of Haruhi Suzumiya. Blue talk. Blue talk. Blue talk. Sometimes you're out on the field and you're looking out towards the sunset. And you think, well, my God, look at that sky. It's almost like it's having a conversation with me. 
<laughs> That's a blue talk. <laughs> I've been um I've been trying to figure out how to do an impression of John Marston from Red Dead Redemption cuz it's not totally dissimilar from Joel. <laughs> it's a little like jo- Joel is like Hey Ellie, this is one of them comic books you've been reading. But like John is like, "Hey Ellie, that's one of them comic books you've been reading." <laughs> but it hurts to do. Yeah, yeah, you see, he's just a little bit dumber sounding, really. Yeah, yeah. It's he's 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 just very like, I'd never seen a fork before, <laughs> Arthur. <laughs> what the hell is this thing? It's a spoon. He's. <laughs> But uh, I'll, I'll I'll figure it out. I'll figure out a way to do it that's not taxing. But that's not even for this show. I'm here to read some comments. Let's here we go. These are all from our Patreon, patreoncom slash played, Which, if you're listening to this, you know it's the only place to hear this. So I don't know <laughs> why I said that. Um, but these are all from the Patreon. Uh, so shout outs to everybody who comments and subscribes. Here we go. This first one is from Lily C. Hi, Lily C. Hi, Lily C. Heather, I'm so sorry. Howl's Moving Castle is the fourth or fifth Miyazaki film I ever saw, and that one is my favorite. But it's followed by Mononoke, which I think was the first I saw. So that's just sort of about the the theory that you have about which whatever one you see first is your favorite. Unfortunately, that's one data point. So we'll we'll never really know. But Yeah. And also I think Lily's wrong. Just kidding. I don't know. I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen any of the other ones yet. But I, I sort of have a feeling that when I see Howl's Moving Castle, it's going to be a big thing for me. I just really like the way that it looks, and I'm excited to eventually see it. Yeah. Um, I just think it looks really cool. Um, this next one is from Sam Dubinsky. Dubinsky. Hi, Sam. Hello. Hi, Sam Dubinsky. Haruhi directing her friends in the movie is the same as how my two-year-old bosses everyone around in the house. Does this mean my toddler might be God? Um, I mean, yes. We should always consider the possibility that our own progeny is God. Yes. Because the word, like, it would be one thing if you saw a toddler on the street and you, you were like, I don't give a shit about you. Uh, and that turned out to be God because there'd be like a plausible deniability. Yes. But like if your own toddler was God, I think at some point in the future, it would turn to you and be like, your own son, your own son. And you'd be like, I'm so <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Or your own daughter. How could you? Yes. How could you? Your child. Uh, at the... <laughs> Worst case, this is something you might have to consider as a parent. Your child might be the boss baby. They might not be God at all. They might be the boss baby. Really, this is an advice column show. Yeah, it's, no, uh, so yeah, we'll take we'll take advice questions. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Uh I do feel and like because Nick's advice. not here, I think Nick would have really liked the boss baby thing. Not to say that Heather didn't like it. But no, I think. I <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's okay. Heather's putting on a brave face right now because Nick's not here. And I know she's just scared, but um, I think I think Nick would have laughed at the very least. 
Or he would have said, here's what Nick would have said. Ready? Right. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's a pretty good Nick. Pretty good. Right. Well, 100%. 100%. <laughs> hey, buddy. Uh, everybody goes for the hey, buddy. But you got to pick up on the other things, right? Like to find what your impression of him is. 100%. 100%. Right. And it's, we're picking the things where he's affirming us <laughs> for the impression. We're like, oh, that, just, that makes us feel good. We'll say the thing <laughs> that makes us feel good when he says it. Um, so thank you. Thank you, Sam, for that comment. This one's from MK. And I had to do it because Nick's not here. Mortal comment. Very good. Very good. Right. Uh, <laughs> MK writes, they could have just called this arc the misery of Mikuru Asahina, although at this point, it's become the subplot of the whole show. Pretty, yeah, yeah pretty accurate. It was, it was pretty rough. It was pretty rough. Um, although maybe it was commentary on like how we see, we see the cutesy character get taken advantage of in other shows, and it's like, Oh, look at that. She, she, she got, she tripped and she, her boobies fell out of her shirt or whatever is happening. Yeah. Uh, and that all of those actions are manipulative or uh, violence against those characters. And this one, at least in Haruhi, you feel like shit. Yeah. Them. I guess I just, for what we've seen, I would have liked something good to happen to Mikuru at some point <laughs> just to sort of counterbalance it. Like, Hey, like, you know, I, sorry about all this other stuff, but now you like are, you have this thing or whatever or something. Or maybe she wins the lottery. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what makes it better, but um, it's, it's tough. It's tough to see that. That um, would have been an incredible ending to the show is if Mikuru scratched off a ticket and went, <laughs> I win the lottery. <laughs> you just got to credits. <laughs> yeah, because then we wouldn't see Haruhi being like, this is great. This is going to fund future SOS uh, Brigade uh, you know, adventures. Thanks for that, Mikaru. Oh, no. Um, this next one is from Joe K. Hi, Joe. Hi, Joe K. Recently. Like the French word for joke. Oh, jockey. They got, to quote Steve Martin, those French got a word for everything over there. <laughs> this is a funny joke. Um, or jockey. Um, recently, like in the past few months, a, man, a manga called Shunna's Journey was released in the U.S. It's by Miyazaki. It's a precursor to Mononoke. Basically tells a story of a prince going west to help his village a la Askitaka. Ashitaka? Interesting. Wow. Huh? Wait, what is this called? I didn't know about this. It's called Shana's Journey. Huh. Well, I gotta, I gotta look that up. I've Googled it. Oh, it looks... Shana's Journey. It looks nice. Is a one published volume in 1983 watercolor illustrated graphic novel. Man, 
It was adapted into a 60-minute radio drama. Nice try. Yeah. I want to see the pictures. <laughs> Don't put pictures on the radio, dear. I want to see them. This is my new guy. Yep, yep. That's a good guy. <laughs> uh, this next one is from Sexy Grandma's Retirement Home. Oh, I, I really hope that that's a real place that has finally started listening to Get Animated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a retirement home for sexy grandmas only. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious to hear what Heather thinks of Vinland Saga when she hits season two. Because, oh, I got a pop up on my computer. Because that's like going straight from Bloodborne into Harvest Moon. Still great, but man, what a tone shift. Would you liken that tone shift to what you've experienced so far? Uh, I don't know if when this episode airs, if mm-hmm. I have made it to oh, interesting, yeah. season two. Um, so let me say on this episode that, well, I mean, we could just look behind the curtain for a, a quick second. Yeah. Um, I have made it to season two. The tone shift is radical. Uh, and I don't mean that like, oh, it's radical cowbunga. I mean, like it is a radical tone shift. Uh, but I have not yet given up on Vinland Saga in any way. Uh, it has only deepened my Viking, Viking madness. Even though so far there's not a lot of Vikings in season two. I don't know. It's, um, Mm. it's compelling. I, I, I still have yet to make the, the jump into Vinland Saga, but I feel like I'll get there at some point. Um, I got a siren driving by. Here we go. These, this last, it's a two for one right here. Okay. Uh, in, the, in the blue talk. I'm running a special. Two for one. Okay. There's a comment from Andy and then a comment to his comment by David Armstrong. So, hi, Andy. Hi, David. This one's from Andy. Andy. As gross as Heather's story was about the kid blowing his nose into another kid's hand, (laughs) (laughs) it's not the first time I've heard something similar. When my wife... It wasn't hand. (laughs) What was it? It was mouth. Oh, God. That's worse. It's way worse. (laughs) When my wife was a kid, she did the same thing to her cousin. While I agree with Matt that little boys are gross, I think more generally, kids can be really gross. And then David Armstrong says, my brother was a music teacher. He told me a story about a third grader licking a door during the post-lockdown pandemic. <laughs> oh my God. Just pulled down the mask, licked a door, and went about his life. Kids can be hella gross. <laughs> Shit. That's fucking awful. I see. I, I want to have one of these. And then I read stuff like this and just know that it's an uphill battle. That's a nightmare, an absolute nightmare. For those the listeners that have kids, I salute you. It's not easy. But that's it for this week's Get Animated. Next week, we'll be discussing the film, The Disappearance of Haruhi Suzumiya. And, and Matt, 
Yeah, that, I think we can agree that Nick got animated. Do Nick, you agree to that? Okay, Nick got animated, and he, the thing about it is that he doesn't even know, and that's actually yeah. really embarrassing. Yeah, it's humiliating. He's that got sucks. he got animated all over the back of his pants. <laughs> <laughs> 